0: Jesus, you are the Christ of God. We thank you for that confession. And we pray that we would take up our cross and follow you and not be ashamed of you. And we pray, God, that you would now give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you today about uh, a Christian view of suffering a Christian view of suffering and I titled it a Christian view because this is not the Christian view there are lots of aspects to this topic that we could talk about I was uh, prompted to do this because I've been listening to a pastor named Lee Ecklov, who has a series of talks on pastoral care and I've been seeking to grow in pastoral care and counseling so I've been listening to his talks and he had to talk on a Christian view of suffering. And I thought, this is so good. It helped me so much that I want to pass on some of these insights to you. So some of this, quite a bit of it, comes from uh, Pastor Lee Eckloff. And I guess I could probably retitle this, because it's coming from a pastoral heart, A Pastor's Concern for Those Who Are suffering. Because that's also what prompted me. It wasn't that just this was good for me to listen to. But I know that in this congregation, there are people who are going through some very difficult times. And I want to address that. This is kind of to address us as a family. As we think about going through suffering. A question that naturally arises, and it's a legitimate question, is why? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? Um, And that's a legitimate question. I think there are helpful answers. You can read philosophy and theology on this question, and some answers are more helpful than others. So I don't want to take that question off the table, but that's not what I'm going to be addressing here this morning. And one reason I'm not going to address it is because I don't think we can ever get to a satisfactory answer to the question of why this side of eternity. Some answers are better than others, some are more satisfactory. But I don't think we can get to a full satisfactory answer to the question of why God allows evil and suffering in this world. Um, You remember the book of Job, and Job was a righteous man who suffered greatly. And he asked the question, why, God, are you letting this happen to me? And did God give him an answer? His friends came and they gave answers. They tried to fill in the gaps and they were rebuked by the Lord. What did Job get? Job got a vision of God at the end of the book. He gets a vision of God. He comes to this place of humility and he realizes there. There are things happening here that are bigger than I can comprehend. God is bigger than I can comprehend. There are things happening here bigger than I can understand. So Job didn't get the the answer to the why question. Even if we got an answer to the why question, like an intellectual answer. We still have to go through it. we'd we'd still suffer the pain and the feelings and the emotions. It would still be difficult for us. The Bible's response to the question of suffering and pain is not so much to answer, answer why, rather how. How can we go through this in a redemptive way? How does this have meaning and value and purpose? Because the temptation in the midst of suffering... When we're going through it or we're seeing other people that we love go through it. A great temptation is to say this is pointless. This is this is arbitrary. There's there's no meaning or purpose in this. And then to think that God. Is arbitrary and God is not at work in this. And we have to resist that temptation. So. It's not about why getting that why answer nailed down. I don't think we can do that perfectly this side of heaven. But how how can we think about it? Christianly and go through it redemptively. And I want to call your attention to that passage in Second Corinthians, where Paul is talking about going through suffering in a redemptive way. And Paul went through a lot of suffering, we know, in his ministry. A little bit further down in this passage, um, in verse 8, he says, We were so utterly burdened. This is 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. I'm at the breaking point, Paul's saying. We were at the breaking point. We were so burdened, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, verse 9, we felt that we have received The sentence of death. We see in places where Paul lists some of the suffering that he went through for the cause of the gospel. Beaten. Lashed. Stoned. Imprisoned. Shipwrecked. Hungry. This is a man who knew suffering. But he, by the grace of God, found a a way to understand it redemptively. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. First of all, let's look at what he says about God in this opening verse in verse 3. Look at how he describes God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The God of all comfort in the midst of, of the affliction. He comforts us, he says, in all our afflictions. Verse 4. When you think of that word comfort, what comes to mind? Um, when I think of the word comfort, I think of being at ease, being relaxed, being warm and cozy. As in, I'm going to get on some comfortable Clothes, you know, my favorite pair of jeans and the old T-shirt that Josie says you need to get rid of at some point. That's not how Paul's using this word comfort, though. It's not about being at ease or relaxed. Um, maybe you think of a mother comforting the child and saying, there, there, everything is going to be all right. That's, that's, that is an image of comfort, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. The word that he uses here is a greek word which means to come alongside to come alongside and the idea is that in the midst of the affliction and the suffering we can count on this that god is alongside of us and his presence is a strengthening presence in the midst of the trial remember when jesus said at the end of towards the end of the gospel of john it's better if i go away from you, from you Because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send to you another comforter. Sometimes it's translated advocate or helper. The idea is the Holy Spirit is going to be someone who comes alongside of you. The paraclete who comes alongside of you and strengthens you. And the idea here. Is kind of from the legal realm in Greek society, where when you were going into trial, when you were going into court, you needed an advocate, somebody who would come alongside of you to strengthen you during that time of trial. When you're on trial, you want somebody who knows what they're doing at your side. It's a comforting, strengthening presence. And this is what Paul says God is in the midst of the trial, the God of all comfort. He is a strengthening presence beside you as you're going through it. Now, here's the thing, that's true, brothers and sisters, that he's there alongside of you. That's true whether you sense his presence or not. He's there. He's there. I remember talking to uh, a lady who um, was processing the grief of her mother who passed away, um, passed away suddenly, not unexpected, but suddenly she, she died. And this woman was the one who found her mother. And she said, um, there was a sense of emptiness there. there, was, there I, she said, I didn't sense. You hear sometimes people talk about the sense of the presence of God in these situations. She said, I didn't sense that. I, I, it was empty. It felt, it felt kind of hopeless and, and, and just sad and, and dark. And, and that's understandable. She was in shock. She was in grief. She was in trauma. Now, later on, as she processed that and walked through it a little bit, she began to, again, sense the comforting presence of God and the hope of God in the midst of that trial. But God was with her, even though she did not sense the presence of God at that moment. Others, I've heard people who go through very difficult things and they'll say, I don't know how to explain it, but I sense the peace of God in the midst of this trial, this suffering, this trauma. I sense the peace that passes all understanding. But here's what I'm saying is whether we feel the presence of God with us or not in the midst of affliction. Paul is saying he's there. He's alongside of you to strengthen you. And so we can turn that into a prayer as we go through things. God, I know you're with me to strengthen me, to help me. Would you? encourage me would you strengthen me would you let me sense your presence as i go through this but whether you do or not i trust that you're with me he's the god of all comfort in our afflictions and then paul goes on and says something that really i think is very distinctive about a christian view of suffering in verse five where he talks about sharing in the suffering of christ For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in your comfort too. I want to get to what I think he's talking about here when it comes to sharing in the suffering of Christ. But just to back up, maybe some people have this question and maybe you have this question as you look at a passage like this from the Apostle Paul who suffered for the sake of the gospel. Some people have this question. Well, does this, does this comfort, does this sharing in the suffering of Christ, apply only to people who are suffering for the cause of the gospel? I mean, here is Paul who gave his life for the mission of furthering the kingdom of God. And that's why he was suffering. So does this apply to people like Paul and people like our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, persecuted for their faith? And we hear these stories of torture and torment and losing their livelihood for the cause of Christ. Does it only apply to them, the persecuted? The martyrs, well, it certainly does apply to them. And and um, and I believe that their suffering is in a kind of special category. The reward for their suffering, I think, is in a special category. Uh, I would never want to say anything to diminish or minimize the suffering of people who give their life for the sake of the gospel. So there is something holy and blessed about their sacrifice and their suffering. And many of us here in the West, most of us here in this room will never experience what they have to experience because they're faithful to Jesus. They could just say they could just deny him and things would get a lot better. But they stay faithful to Jesus and what an example they are to us. But I think this applies what Paul is talking about here. This principle applies to any Christian who's going through any kind of suffering. The temptation, the fundamental temptations are the same. And that is to not trust in the goodness of God as you're going through it. He says he's able to comfort us in all affliction, all kinds of affliction. Jesus suffered temptation. I read that verse from Hebrews last week. It says he suffered many kinds of temptations or he suffered in many ways in the midst of his temptation. There's various kinds of suffering. And I think this principle applies to all of it. So it's not just that God is alongside of us in the midst of our suffering, but God is doing something to us in the midst of our suffering. If we share in the suffering of Christ as we go through it, God's not just alongside of us. God is at work in us as we share in the suffering of Christ. And that applies to As we go through physical illness, as we wrestle with relationships where there's tension and turmoil and we long for reconciliation, but it's not happening. And that just breaks our heart. That goes for when we are trying to be faithful to Christ, facing all sorts of temptation in our life. And maybe there's a particular point where it's really acute and it's really hard to stay faithful to Christ in this area of my life, given the pressure of the world and my own sinful flesh. And I'm going to stay faithful and loyal to Christ, to him in the midst of it. That's a struggle. That's a kind of affliction, if you will. I think it applies to all that. What does it mean to suffer with Christ? And this is where I found that talk by Lee Ecklove so helpful. And sometimes when you hear that, there's sort of this mystical quality to it. Like suffering with what does that mean? And maybe there is something mystical that we can't completely define and wrap our minds around. But I think part of it is very, very clear to understand. And that is, we share in the suffering of Christ as we go through suffering like Christ went through suffering. We share in the suffering of Christ as we go through suffering as he did. We wed our suffering to his experience of going through suffering. And let me give you an example of this, how Christ went through suffering. This is a great example, I think, of how Christ went through suffering. And that is from the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's facing the cross, I mean, he's right there on the edge. uh, On the precipice, if you will, entering into his passion And he's in the cross uh, in the garden and he's praying to the father and he prays what father, if it's possible, take the cup from me. Take this cup, the cup representing the suffering that he's going to face. Representing not just it's not just about the physical torture of the cross, but the spiritual torment as God is going to place the judgment of sin, the sin of the whole world on his son, Jesus And Jesus does not want to go through it. So this is a legitimate prayer. Jesus prayed as he was facing suffering. Father, take it from me. I don't want to go through it. It's not a stoical kind of resignation, like I'm just going to grit my teeth and bear it. But it's a plea to a loving father. Father, take this from me. Legitimate prayer. Heal me. Restore this relationship. God, deliver me in this circumstance. Take it from me. Paul prayed that the thorn in his flesh would be removed. So we pray for those things. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. But then the second part of the prayer. Nevertheless, not my will. But yours be done. I'm going to entrust my life to you in this circumstance. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to walk this path that you've laid before me. Jesus submits his will to the will of the father. And friends, when we do that in the midst of suffering, rather than getting bitter, rather than getting angry, rather than despairing of the goodness of God, when we say in the midst of this suffering, father, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to obey you. In that sense, we are wedding our experience of suffering to how jesus went through suffering that's an element of sharing in the suffering of christ and as we do that we're strengthened we're comforted we're being transformed more and more in the image and likeness of christ i think we've all had the experience of being connected to a person who is better than us or maybe better at a particular discipline or activity or maybe they're just a more virtuous person than us and just by virtue of being connected to them it makes us better it makes us, us stronger it strengthens us you think of a, an athlete who an elite athlete at the top of his game the, one of the best ones of the sport who comes on a team and the other athletes begin to say well just having that guy on the team makes us all better we all have to raise our game here because we see how he works we see his passion his energy so it it makes us all better in business. You know, you have somebody who comes onto to the team and they work hard at their job and they become a mentor for others. And people say, well, I learned how to do my job better because of this person. I was connected to him or her. I learned about leadership. I learned about my uh, my craft from this person. And when we go through suffering connected to Christ, when we go through suffering seeking to emulate his trust his faith, his obedience to the father, it transforms us. It makes us better. We become more like him. And that is good for us. And that is good for others to see that as well. And here's the final point I want to make about a redemptive purpose to suffering. Is there a point to this? Is there meaning in this? Yes, God is with us. And yes, God is in us doing something as we wed our suffering to the suffering of Christ and then also see what Paul says here as we go through suffering, sharing in the suffering of Christ. It's a great witness to other people because it witnesses to the power of Christ in us. And Paul says that in 2nd Corinthians chapter four. Well, he's actually saying that kind of throughout some of these chapters. But in 2nd Corinthians four, it becomes even more clear, starting in verse seven, where he says we have this treasure The treasure of the gospel, the light of Christ, we have this treasure in jars of clay and the jars of clay represent just the frail human nature, our bodies, our frailty, all of our frailty. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Because we're just jars of clay. How much power does a jar of clay have? How much light does a jar of clay, just the jar itself. Paul's saying that's who we are. We're jars of clay. And as we go through ministry and as we go through life suffering. However, the light of Christ can shine through us. We are afflicted in every way, he goes on to say, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And then verse 10 Listen to this imagery. Paul says, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What a motto. This is not a motto for ministry that you'd hear at all today. (laughs) Because so much of ministry is about empowerment with so much of our culture is about self empowerment. And Paul says, no, we're carrying around dead bodies. The body of the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. The point is this. When people see a Christian go through affliction and suffering and temptation and trial and difficulty, but they're going through it with hope and perseverance and faith, The light of Christ is shining through that person. And they might say to themselves, well, why are they still faithful to God? This person has been a Christian for two or three decades and now they've got cancer. Why are they still faithful to God? The wife left him. How is he hanging on to this? Why does he still have hope? What's going on in this person's life? She lost her job. And yet she has this sense of strength. Where does that come from? The light of Christ. Jars of clay, but through the light of Christ. It shines. This power belongs not to us, but to God, so that the light of Jesus, the life of Jesus might be manifested in us. And so it's a great testimony when a great witness to the power of Christ. When we go through suffering, faithful to God. I know I've told you this before, but in our diocese, this is somebody we pray, with, uh, pray for every Sunday. Uh, Rob Harris, a priest in our diocese who a couple of years ago was diagnosed with a brain tumor, an inoperable brain tumor. He's about my, my age. He's got kids and a wife and and here he is going through this. And it's been such a testimony to the rest of us as priests when we gather every year to see Rob, to hear his prayers. His prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving, his fervor for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, He continues to teach and to preach, and he's going to continue on doing that as long as he can. It's such a witness. I mean, that's one of the key things that I walk away with from our diocese gathering. We have these great, wonderful speakers, but there is Rob who's going through this trial and affliction. And he's going through it with great faith and grace. I'm sure he has his days. I know he has his days. But the light of Christ is shining through him, even though his body is decaying. It's a wonderful thing to see. It's a strengthening thing. And I've seen it in this congregation as well. To see the light of Christ shine through jars of clay. The point is, brothers and sisters, as Christians, suffering is not Meaningless. God is at work, comforting, strengthening, transforming us into the image of Christ for the glory of Christ. Amen. Lord, we lift up our lives uh, to you now and those that we are concerned about. And we pray that our affliction, our trials, our temptations, our sufferings. That they would be wedded to the suffering of Christ, that we would share in the suffering of Christ, that you'll help us to do that. You'll give us great wisdom. In applying this to our lives. We pray for others who are in times of affliction and trial, that you will be their strength, your, their comforter, O oh God. And we thank you that we, we have such, there is such hope and meaning and purpose through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.